Welcome to MacroFab's Engineering Podcast. We are your guests, Gene France and Eric Welsh. And we are your hosts, Stephen Craig and Parker Dolman. This is episode 143. Gene is one of the founders and the visionary behind Octavo Systems. He currently serves as Chief Technology Officer. Previously, Gene was the Principal Technology Fellow at Texas Instruments, where he built a career finding new opportunities and building new businesses to leverage TI's DSP technology. Eric is the Applications and Systems Manager for Octavo Systems. With over 16 years of industry experience designing hardware and software systems, including 11 years at Texas Instruments, Eric has supported hundreds of developers bringing embedded systems quickly to market. And for more background on Octavo Systems, check out the MacFab Engineering Podcast, episode number 17, System and Package Platforms with Greg Sheridan. And that was almost two years ago. And that was one of our that was one of our first guests on the on the podcast. Yeah, that was guest number two. Time sure flies. It's crazy. So a year and a half later, has Octavo Systems mission changed or how's it evolved? Or I guess actually and also reiterate what does Octavo Systems do? What we do is build system and package devices. Uh, to solve a significant problem in the industry, and that is how do I get, at this point, the microprocessor, the DDR, and the power management all to work together in a small area on, in my system. So that, that's generally what we're after. Right, and, and if I remember correctly from a year and a half ago, the, one of the main solutions that you were, or problems that you were solving was the fact that uh, having all of that on the same silicon die isn't necessarily the best solution because uh, there's there's specific reasons why this subsection would be preferable on this type of silicon versus that. Yeah, yeah. let me give you a little bit of background because I, I, I find it interesting that in the semiconductor world for the last five decades, the value creator in the industry was on the silicon, the wafer fab. Uh, the, the ability to integrate more and more transistors on an integrated circuit. Uh, we were driven by Moore's law. And I think you're beginning to hear people reluctantly once again say, are we near the end of Moore's law? Uh, what I've said to the industry is we are still on Moore's vision, which was to double the number of transistors you could integrate. I believe what we're finding is that we are uh, moving from innovation occurring on the front end of the process to the back end of the process. And so what we're finding is the best way to integrate is with the assembly and test part of the, of the semiconductor manufacturing. And so we will continue to integrate using that method. And, and that kind of makes it interesting for us because uh, we're kind of at that forefront of how do we integrate on the systems level using still integrated circuit process technology. And that means the SOC is no longer the solution, but the SOC is part of the solution all uh, in a package. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting, too, because you, you see announcements from major companies like Global, Global Foundry is not going to do the 7 nanometer node. Uh, and then there's, there's still some question about whether Intel is going to do their 10 nanometer node. 
Um, and, and so you, you definitely can see that there is uh, a, a consciousness within the industry that it might not actually be worth it to move down to the next process technology node. And so you do see this move to how do we continue the innovation? How do we continue the integration? And, and part of what we believe is that's through system and package technology and through the use of packaging, you're able to, to now still realize those integration gains, but now it's, it's at the package level and not necessarily at the silicon wafer level. And, and what's interesting is over that five decade period, the back end of the process, and if you're not a semiconductor guy, you, you, you have trouble understanding front end and back end, but we split the world of manufacturing into the front end or the wafer manufacturer and the back end, the assembly and test. Uh, what we've seen in the last 50 years is the back end, the assembly and test, their goal in life, their job in life was to not screw it up. So how do I uh, get the yields up and the cost of manufacture down and that's all I do. And so very little innovation. And, and I say that, and I have a lot of friends in the packaging world are going to look at me and say, I'm, uh, I, I've did, done a disservice to them, but very little innovation has occurred in the world of assembly and test to handle what can happen in the future by doing system and package. So by assembly and test, you mean basically taking the dye from the silicon wafer and putting it into the package and gold and gold bonding it to wherever it's going, correct? That's right, and then put it, putting plastic around it and testing it. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and it's not just it's not just wire bonding it down. Um, it's also, I mean, they're they're doing uh, basically they can they can put little. Uh, bumps on a on a wafer so basically little solder balls on the backside of a, a wafer uh, and so you can actually do things like flip chip technology where it basically the die acts as a mini bga that actually gets uh, soldered down to the substrate and so you have a lot of of technologies like that that also uh, allow you to get a lot higher densities uh, within the package and a lot i mean and so that's that's where you're seeing a, a lot of the package today is taking these really high dense connectors and 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 connections from the 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 wafer uh or the the actual silicon die and and spreading it out such that you can actually use it on a printed circuit board i mean you you're not going to be able to deal with the spacings and and the trace sizes and stuff like that on a standard uh, printed circuit board it'll just cost too much and so the with with most package technology today you're seeing it's mostly just kind of a fan out type of technology. But really, as, as packaging progresses, you're going to see a lot more innovation, uh, being able to, to uh, go through and, and put a lot more silicon actually in a single package. But to give you an example, uh, the ball-to-ball the -ball spacing uh, that you can put on an integrated circuit is somewhere below 200 microns ball-to-ball uh, -ball spacing. And that's kind of hard to use in the world of systems but in the world of system and package that's very capable and very oh, within very much within the capability of the technology yeah, i'm just looking that'd be 0.2 millimeter that's correct our uh listeners that are not in the united states <laughs> <laughs> sorry <clears throat> correct me if i'm wrong but but I, you you sort of get to uh distribute the cost a little bit better in that format because the 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 substrate of a small system on on um, system on chip 
or system on board. Uh, you, you, if that requires, I don't know, 16, 20 layers or something, you're paying for that in a small area as opposed to across to your entire system. So you, you end up distributing the cost a little bit in, sure. in, in a nicer way. Well, and, and one of the aha moments we've had recently is there is a possibility with some interesting in, or system and package technology to take a processor device that maybe is in a 15 millimeter square pack, you know, 15 millimeters on a side package and put in the SIP that device, the power management that goes with it and the memory that goes with it in that same size package or maybe even a little bit smaller. For sure. And is that possible because basically you're taking your die, which has a 200 micron or I actually looked up as well as it's eight mils. If you're you don't think in micron because, you know, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um, uh, so because you're going from an, like a 200 micron pitch to a bigger pitch with like, you know, 0.4 millimeters, like on a QFN. And so you have all this empty space inside that package. Is that how you that how you fit in those parts? Okay. Yes. Well, also think 3D. Yeah, you stack on top. Yeah, the, I mean, if, if you think about, um, I mean, mo- most packages, um, I mean, you can go a lot thicker than than what you typically see today. Um, I mean, you can have uh, packages that are, are one and a half, two millimeters thick, um, and that way you can actually stick a lot more components within that particular package uh, by by kind of doing that kind of stacking type technology. And, and we, we've been looking at, at a couple of different things that you can do in order to allow you to, to do some of those kinds of stacking things. And that way you, you utilize that, that third dimension a lot more for how you're going to actually pull all these components in and put them, put them together. Right, right. And if you, if you have a, a larger, I guess, Z direction to play with, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds like it would afford you the ability to have larger value components at the same time, right? Yeah, but but the, the one problem there there are a couple of problems that that exist by going 3D. One is this thing called heat. Uh, somehow you still have to dissipate all that heat, and when you stack things up, it it becomes a problem. So what we've done is one of the partners in the company or one of the founders it was a uh, top level packaging person at Texas Instruments before he retired, and we stole him. And so what we decided multiple years ago is system and package is a packaging problem, not a integrated circuit problem. And so he's right at the forefront making things happen. Eventually you just have integrated heat sinks too, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. We, we know how to do that. I mean, yeah, you got you to get, get the heat out somehow. Right. I'm just actually imagining how you would reflow such a part. If it had an integrated heatsink on it, <laughs> if if I were at my desk, I could show you one. <laughs> so, so what is Octavo Systems' method of packaging? Standard semiconductor packaging. We run it down the same production line. Every other integrated circuit goes down. We're, we're our goal is never perturbate the integrated circuit uh, assembly process, but to uh, to leave it alone and let it go forward, and we're just going to design around it. But we, we are we are doing a lot of R&D with, with partners uh, in order to, to try to see what what are the 
changes that might need to go into some of these lines. So while we want to make sure that everything's standard, we still are, are working with, with partners to help push some of this technology. So as we start looking at, at more of this three-dimensional uh, technology, that way we can, we can make sure that that is a standard part of the packaging process uh, and, and can, can run on the same standard line. Gotcha. Sure, sure. And, and, and I remember from uh, when Greg came on the podcast uh, a year and a half ago or whatever, um, I believe he showed us some prototypes that uh, they, they basically look like a board that was encapsulated in a clear epoxy. And uh-huh. So it sounds like things have kind of evolved from from then. Yeah, and, and so that that's actually uh, um, we've actually got a couple of different products out now. Um, so I mean, we we I, I believe when Greg came on, we had uh, just released kind of our our first uh, product to market. Uh, since then, uh, we we've released. Uh, a, uh, one more uh, last year. Uh, it's it's uh, basically a 21 millimeter uh, part that that has a processor, power management IC, uh, LDO, DDR, uh, and all the uh, integrative passives and stuff that are necessary to make that a system. And then we actually we just announced uh, that we uh, have a new uh, product called the OSD 335X uh, CSIP. And so that's uh, a complete system and package. Uh, we actually, uh, beyond the processor, DDR, PMIC, and everything like that, we actually integrate the non-volatile storage uh, as well. And so basically, it is a computer in a package. And so really, all you need to do is hook up power to it and then uh, hook up whatever peripherals you might need. And then it, it actually is a one gigahertz Linux computer. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Effectively, you can uh, hook it up dead bug and it'll work. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's one of the as as we're, we're so we we've announced that we're we haven't we haven't gotten everything shipped yet. But one of the one of the things we want to do is a, a, a is in, in terms of videos is to actually go through and and get a dead bug, uh, one gigahertz Linux computer working. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> you know, w- one of the things I'm curious about is um, the fact that you guys are taking. I guess I guess various version various IP and and compiling it together into one system. When you provide a data sheet or information on this, uh, I'm sure that you have tested it all as a system, correct? And and so when someone wants to see the thermal performance, they're not seeing the thermal performance of say one item on the system on chip. They're seeing the thermal performance of the entire thing, correct? Correct, correct. And so it's it's actually a very very interesting thing. And uh, we've we've been talking with a lot of a lot of customers about thermal because it, it's such a big care about due to the fact that that we have a form factor that allows you to get in such a small uh, it has a, such a small size, um, it, it enables a lot of new applications which are small in size and therefore you have all these concerns about heat. But what, what we kind of see is that that the package provides a little bit of a thermal averager. So you'll get kind of uh, some some hotter spots um, like where you where you'd normally think like over the the um, processor die uh, over the PMIC die and things like that. But um, the the hots aren't quite as hot and the colds aren't quite as cold because the plastic acts as a little bit of a thermal averager. And so it's it, I mean it's not much. It's kind of like a one C degree difference. But um, it, it the package does help. Uh, in terms of, of helping mitigate a little bit of the, the peak of the heat 
Um, also, when, when we look at doing designing for thermal, um, we make sure that, that all the components are rated for the, the case temperatures that, that we're, we're, uh, we, we spec out as part of our device. And so you have to make sure that all your passives um, meet all the temperature specs, all the, the DDRs and all the, the different processor elements and, and everything. And so that way you can guarantee a case temperature. Uh, not necessarily some of the the other. I mean, a lot of a lot of silicon dye uh, uses uh, theta JA and and some other things in order to denote heat uh, and a heat dissipation and, and, and thermal performance. Uh, and so, really, we look at it more from a case temperature because, it, in many respects, it acts more like a printed circuit board than than a, a particular silicon dye. And so, we, we look at, at trying to th- spec things from more more of this case perspective. And is is the case fully encapsulated, or is it hollow in some way? No, no, no. It's fully encapsulated. Yeah, no. It's it's actually it, it's it's very interesting because uh, basically there's this plastic mold compound that gets heated up, and and they have uh, forms that it gets injected into, and it flows around all the different components, and basically kind of locks them in place. And so it's it, it's it's fully. Uh, I mean, the the um, plastic mold compound has flowed everywhere under. Um, if, if you use a package device, um, it'll actually flow underneath the, the package device between the balls that, that it, uh, it, it could be seated on uh, the substrate. And so you actually uh, there's actually a bunch of interesting physics problems about how mold compound flows and, and things like that. So you get to see uh, that, that it is it is all locked in place um, because it's basically uh, everything's encapsulated by plastic. So the, and, and the, 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 one of the interesting sidebars on that is once you lock all those passages in place, bending it doesn't pop them off. And so they're, they're stuck there. And, and uh, as I've told Eric in the past, even if the uh, passive kind of cracks away from the, the substrate, you've just added capacitance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, That's we great. talked about that a couple of weeks ago about flexing terminals on on ceramic capacitors. So I guess this would kind of mitigate that since you're kind of locking everything into place. Yeah, they're stuck there. <laughs> have Have you had any issues with high speed signaling and the plastic acting as dielectric in any way? No, I mean, it really, it, it's. Uh, I mean, every. I mean, if you think about. Um, and the the signals coming off off the processor. I mean, the, the it's it's the the plastic has has a, a I mean the the, the high speed signals um, are far enough apart and everything like that that, that we ha- we haven't actually seen any any issues with any high speed routing because um, I mean most of your most of your uh, capacitance and everything like that is going to be seen either at the PCB level or um, potentially at the substrate level depending on where your connection is and so uh, we haven't actually seen any any issues that the mold comp causes in order to get high-speed signals routed. There's a lot of years of experience in the mold compound to make sure it doesn't do those kinds of things. And so we're, we're not screwing up that part of the recipe. <laughs> yeah, I imagine since most microcontrollers are encased in this plastic, then it's probably fine. That's our story and we're sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> And so this the system and package is is basically you're taking an entire computer and putting it onto a substrate and then encapsulating it to a part. So what does this mean for product designers and hardware engineers? So really, it, it, it just makes your life a, a heck of a lot easier. I mean, so it, it, when when you when you look at at 
how much effort goes into routing a DDR. I mean, there's there's a whole host of, of issues you run into with the high speed signaling, the the differential uh, and and all the impedance matching, all, all and and so there's there's just a whole host of problems to route the DD, the, the the signals between a processor and a DDR memory, and really we see that that stuff like that doesn't add any value to your system. I mean, the, you're not going to go put on on your box that DDR works. That's not that's not a bullet point that goes on on the on, on the box. So, I mean, I'm going to put that, that on my next product. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm so proud that the DDR works. <laughs> but I mean, you just think about how many man hours have gone into people routing DDR for different projects and everything like that. And so when you when you look at something like a, a system and package device, I mean, it's it's the same kind of value proposition that you get with a, a system on module. So I mean, you, you're you're integrating a bunch of different components. And so from from a system perspective, your design just got a heck of a lot easier. Now, instead of having to worry about how do I how do I route uh, seven or eight different power planes or power power cores in order to be able to to get all the power management, uh, all the different voltage rails and stuff like that. Because I mean, you got a, a processor running at 1.1 volts, you got core voltage at 1.2 volts, you got DDR at 1.8. And so, I mean, and then the rest of the system's running at 3.3 and 5. And so you having to manage all these different power rails, having to manage all of the the kind of these high-speed DDR signals, it's a lot of, of effort that doesn't really add a lot of value to your system. And so you can come at it from much more of the kind of microcontroller perspective where I just need to put something down, I need to hook power up to it, I need to hook my peripherals up to it, and that's my system. And so really that's that's where, from a system point of view, you get the power of a, of a, of a microprocessor, but really from a design effort point of view, you're looking more at a microcontroller level PCB design. And, and so, and, and, and if I, mean, I if I take, I want to interrupt you because if you take that a step further, uh, we're routing things in the matter of a centimeter rather than four or five centimeters, and so everything's closer together. That means uh, I can get a little bit higher speed. I can get a little bit better signal. Uh, my power management becomes a little bit simpler because I'm not having this long line. Uh, between the power and the and the, the sink, the the other thing is when you get to this this RF problem, uh, because all of our traces are much smaller than normal, your the probability of any one of those traces being an antenna is uh, reduced quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to bring that up is um, one of the big things with like modules, like Bluetooth modules and stuff, is they're usually you know, pre-certified from the F, uh, FCC. And so is using like a system package device, like I don't assume it minimizes your risk as a designer for passing FCC CE. No, I w- well, so, I mean, it, it's, it, there's, there's kind of two, two tacks you can take. I mean, really the, the, the Bluetooth modules that you get, that, that you use in some respects are system and package devices. They might have a metal shield over them, but in essence, they are a system and package device. You treat them as just a single device and Part. if you pop, 
yeah, single part. If you pop open the the that that metal can, I mean, there's a whole host of passives on there. There's a, a crystal, and I mean, and so in in essence, they are already system and package devices. And so when when we're integrating a, a processor, a DDR, a PMIC, and and uh, some other things together. Um, that, that's more of, of an IC level thing. And so you, you don't necessarily see ICs going and, and doing FCC certification because the route scales, like Gene said, are, are on, on a scale that, that it doesn't really, it's not going to unintentionally radiate, radiate in the bands that you're concerned about. And so from, from kind of our system and package device, we haven't gone through and done the FCC certificate, uh, like pre-verification and stuff like that, because it, it just, we know that it's not going to radiate. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to go put your system through the paces because that's where you're going to get the radiation. You're going to be, you're going to be routing the, the clock lines. You're going to be routing the, the, different things um, to do RF. Your sensors or, and stuff. Well, Eric, you, you've, uh, you've actually taken a few d- board-level devices through FCC with our SIP on it, and the SIP never radiated, right? No, no. It was, it was always <laughs> – the, the problems were always <laughs> other clocks in the, on the boards, and, and that's, that's always a, a fun thing to try to track down as to why that is. And then, then fixing a, a design when you're at FCC is always, always fun because you, you're, al- you're already late, and <laughs> any, any fix you have to make makes you later. And you paid for the whole facility <laughs> for that day. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it's and I mean and one one of the things we we try to try to as as part of part of what when we help a customer through some of the design process and stuff we, we always want to make sure that you put down extra footprints for for caps and and inductors and resistors in order to help yourself out so that that way if you if you do have a clock line that you need to add an extra filter cap or something like that you have the footprint on your board and you can do it while you're doing FCC, as opposed to not having the footprint, in which case it becomes either some crazy mod or a board spin. Yeah, scratch a little <laughs> bo- bo- Boards gone. pockmarked with uh, either populated or unpopulated zero-ohm resistors, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> so, so I'm curious, from a hardware engineer's perspective, let's say I wanted to use one of your parts, what kind of design resources are available? Because I'm sure it's not as simple as just like, oh, slap it on the board and give it some voltage. And it just, it it then becomes a computer. Oh, well, no. And, but in a lot, a lot of respects, so, so we do have a lot of design resources because uh, yes, there is a learning curve for, for everyone using a microprocessor because if, if you haven't go, if, I mean, it's a step up from a microcontroller, both from a, a hardware level and from a software level. And so you have to have resources out there. And so what we've done is we've, uh, We've done a lot, a lot of application notes uh, as well as a tutorial series. So uh, on our website, uh, www.octavosystems.com, uh, we actually have a whole app notes section where there's there's a, a, ref- a tutorial reference series which walks you through how you hook up clocks, how you hook up power, how you uh, route 
uh, USB? Uh, how do you then go bring up the board once you've actually done done all of this stuff? What are what are the software things? How do you configure the device tree? How do you go through and make sure Linux gets booted? And so we, we've actually gone through and done a whole tutorial series on that, along with a, a number of other more specific uh, hardware-related app notes about how do you design uh, to make sure that you can source EMMC. So our, our part supports uh, EMMC uh, version 4.3, and that's an older standard, but the newer EMMCs are, are backward compatible, but there are some design things that you need to do and to make sure that you don't run into problems when you're actually trying to route this these newer EMMCs to some of the older standards. And so we provide a bunch of different app notes like that. And so we, we try to dive in technically and, and make sure that we provide all of the, the necessary steps that you'd need in order to actually get out your system up and running and, and get to production quicker. So let me let me jump in on that because one of the things we've learned, uh, I, I said it for years inside of TI, that innovation's inversely proportional to the size of the company. Uh, large companies can't innovate and little ones can. And, uh, and by the way, uh, TI management would continue to explain to me that TI was a big company and, and my answer is, <laughs> yes, I know that. Uh, but what, what you find is as you get more and more to the system level of integration, the volumes per integration get lower and lower. They get the, the, And so you, you have to figure out how do we create these devices that are going to be lower in volume uh, and meet the needs of these innovative small companies and so that's a, a lot of what we're working through on how do I go after this new market when the more I integrate at the system level, the lower the volume of my product. Seems like a fine line to walk. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. The, the, good news, the good news, we don't have to play, we don't have to play with the, uh, the big verticals of which believe you to be uh, their servants rather than your vendor. And, and so we talk to people who actually are happy that we're talking to them. And so we have this innovative crowd that uh, what we've done is put all of the material together to help them do their job. So where can people find all that, that knowledge that we were just talking about, the um, design docs and stuff? All, all of our all of our design resources and stuff like that are all up on on our website, and so you can always go there to to um, see see all the different uh, information, all the different different information things that we uh, that we publish, um, and then also we have uh, a, a couple of different reference designs. So we've posted uh, some open hardware reference designs on our website. Uh, we also are a vendor uh, to BeagleBoard.org. Um, and, and so you can actually find Octavo Systems devices on a number of the BeagleBoard devices, uh, BeagleBone uh, series of, of uh, open hardware reference design and, and uh, uh, boards to get, get started with your development. So uh, like the, for example, the, uh, the original OSD-335X part is on the BeagleBone Black Wireless as well as the BeagleBone Blue, uh, which uh, the BeagleBone Blue is is a, a really interesting uh, board to get started with for robotics applications. So you can actually drive uh, DC motors, you can uh, drive PWMs for servos. Uh, it has a lot of a lot of really cool robotics applications. And then you can actually find uh, the the 21 millimeter part, uh, the OSD-335. 
5X uh, SM on the latest offering, which is the Pocket Beagle. And so this uh, development board is uh, roughly the size of a mini Altoids tin. And so really it's, it's a very stripped down bare bones kind of design, but it's, it's really uh, in, a, in an awesome form factor. And so it has a USB port uh, so you can plug that in, plug the, the other side into your, your computer. Uh, it, it boots up, uh, runs, uh, and you can run uh, Cloud9 IDE from it in order to actually access your Linux terminals, uh, run code on it, and do development. And so it's a really, really cool uh, development platform in order to help get started uh, with some of our, our devices. So let me interrupt again. Uh, if I remember, and, and uh, Eric, you can... Uh, embellish this with the the 21 millimeter device you can actually do a layout with none of the components on the back side that of is the, correct uh, that the, is correct actually if, if you look at the the pocket beagle um you can you'll find that it is actually a single-sided board um and and has a very very few components really it has uh, a micro usb connector uh, a micro sd card for storage a uh, couple of pull-up resistors for setting the boot configuration, uh, clock, and uh, some reset circuitry and a few LEDs to, to tell you what's going on. And then it has these really amazing expansion headers that allow you to interface with uh, uh, different ecosystems like the microelectronica clickboards. And so uh, there's all sorts of uh, device, uh, device tree overlay drivers to allow you to interface with these boards. And so it, it re- makes it really nice from a prototyping, developing your own embedded system uh, point of view. And that's that's a result of since we are system in package, we actually lay the, the ball map out to be system friendly rather than component friendly. So you have, friendly. have all your power grounds and your your uh your i uh, your gpio or for like registers and stuff are all in line yeah so you have so, like uh like you have um what was it be like gate a a through <laughs> one through seven or in order it's yeah. all over the map exactly and and what's what's cool is uh so with the the sm device uh we actually so the, the pitch is uh, uh 50 mil so one one point two seven millimeter um, and so it's it's a wide wide pitch, and so actually with uh, six mil trace space routing rules, uh, you can get two traces between balls, and and so what we what that enabled us to do is actually be able to uh, route out the entire package uh, in a single PCB layer. So we we structured the power and ground pores and everything like that such that you could actually do all of your signal escape. Uh, on on one layer because everything's in the outer th- all, all the signals are in the outer three rows and columns of the BGA um, and then you actually have your power inputs as well on those outer three rows and columns uh, then there's ground in the center and then a couple of, of your output power rails uh, in the center so that those can go down and, and it comes down to that dream we all had as systems guys and that is when will the IC circuit guys actually lay out the ball map in a way <laughs> without just adding it. extra layers to your board right of course yeah yeah because yeah. i, I well, always remember that's right. Sound, that's right it sounds like you have it you have it set up where like i said earlier the expense can go into purchasing your part as opposed to just making an expensive board just to access your part correct yep is there any other that's reasons right. why uh octavo sip is 
an advantage over other SIP offerings? Yeah, let me jump in and give you one. I see I beat you to it this time. Uh, One of the things we're looking at as you get to the system level, you more and more have to be more customized to a specific implementation. And so we have a couple of things on the drawing board that will allow our customers to have a portion of the SIP to customize to their taste. And so they can suck in, uh, I guess that's a technical term. Yeah, they, they can suck in some components in the system that they would like to have integrated into the SIP, which is kind of interesting. In, in fact, one of the implementations has a, a concept of just putting a breadboard over in one corner of the SIP. And Yeah, actually, I found an article that Eric wrote on your website about that topic. Yeah, no, we, we actually, um, we presented a paper at the one of the packaging, uh, international packaging conferences about two weeks ago. Um, it's it's the IMAPS uh, conference. And if you go to uh, IMAPS.org, you can find information about uh, that, that packaging society. But we, we actually have done uh, some, some layout looking at how, how can you take the concept of a, like, you, you're, I mean, everyone's familiar with the solderless breadboard and how you can go prototype your system design on a solderless breadboard. And so what we wanted to do was take that same type of concept and miniaturize it so that it was inside a package. So that way, uh, basically through the software of the pick and place machine and the wire bonder, we can actually go through and and basically do a mini breadboard inside a package. And so that allows us to to take the burden of of in, in basically allows us to have infinite flexibility with our designs, um, be by mainly through software configuration of your pick and place machine for the substrate as well as the the wire bonder to hook them all up. It's like a very manual FPGA. Uh, kind of thing going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not 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 reconfigurable on the fly, but uh, but yes. I mean, <laughs> right. so we had a we had a question from one of our our Slack members, uh, and they asked about built-in LEDs. Ooh, interesting. Well, so give me. Uh, I, I can give you the simple answer. Uh, uh, we could we can integrate LEDs into the system. Uh, there might be a little bit of a problem getting any kind of light <laughs> out through the plastic. Uh, I figured that would be the problem. <laughs> but we're, but no, but, but, but let me finish that now that you're saying, oh, that was a dumb thing to ask. Uh, we're looking at how, how we could create that so those LEDs would kind of float to the surface of the package and be visible. Oh, on come the on. You, you don't package. want to integrate light pipes into your, your, your chip design? That, that would, yeah, <laughs> we could. At, at the end of the day, they, they they have to grind off the top anyway. They, they they inject all the plastic, and then they they make sure it's planar on the top. So you just have to have to get all the light pipes lined up correctly. That's that that would be the tough part. <laughs> well, and, and you're 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 kind of alluding to one of the things that's interesting. Once you do system and package, you're no longer limited to only silicon-based devices. And so you can you can go uh, GAN or or organic. There's a lot of different directions you can go and stick things on there uh, that you're that that gives you kind of a limitless yeah. uh, opportunity. I, I could see you doing like a light pipes would you be can one do like those. an integrated like high end MOSFET style with a smart controller 
you know, set up using kind of the SIP technology. Yeah, and and there there was an interesting presentation at sure. that, that packaging conference about how. Um, Folks at like Global Foundries are looking at how how do they integrate um, silicon photonics. So basically, integrating little lasers on to silicon devices because the the process to create a laser is is basically uh, quite different than than it is to create a, a silicon wafer. And actually, the the components inside the the, the laser. Are, are contaminants for a silica piece of silicon, and so how do you integrate the two together? Well, you do it with packaging, and so there there's all sorts of interesting stuff um, from from that uh, side of things in terms of how do you integrate more of these exotic technologies together in order to be able to reduce heat and and increase performance. So you mentioned earlier about your new product, which is the OSD three three five X CSIP. Yes, that's C hyphen. SIP. Yes. Yeah. So what? It stands yeah. for computer computer in a SIP. Yeah, which one's winning SIP. in the office right you, now? You can. Well, is computer I, I, winning or is complete? I think com- complete is is winning in the office right now. Though though there is I think there's still some argument. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm against that. It's it's not complete until you stuck some analog in. It. I like this guy. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, just need to. Yeah, hey, come on. The, the 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 processor itself has some A to D converters. Come on, that that's that's analog. So that, that's a half. That's a half breed. <laughs> it's only half analog. I, I, I'm. Can can you share with us the secret of how you create your part numbers? <laughs> um, no, unfortunately, uh, you're going to have to invite Greg back because he he is he is. Uh, uh, the, the one who who comes up with with all the part names, and so uh, he has the master decoder ring that that is uh, the the Octavo part naming scheme. <laughs> we, we spoke about that last time, yeah. Well, I'll give you a little bit. Of, I'll give you. I'll give you a little bit of background on the OSD. Uh, the <laughs> other option was OCD, <laughs> and it just didn't seem to be correct, so we left it with OSD. <laughs> Um, so yeah, back to the CSIP. What what's special about it now? So I mean, really, it, it, it like like we were talking about a little bit before. It takes the the integration um, within the system and package to kind of the next level. So um, with the the SM device, we had the processor, the DDR, the power management, an LDO, the an EEPROM, and the associated passives. Um, and so then the the next major thing in order to kind of complete your system is to integrate EMMC. And so uh, EMMC is, is a big component of the, the new CSIP device. So it integrates uh, a four, four gigabytes or actually up to 16 gigabytes, uh, four gigabytes for the initial offering of EMMC non-volatile storage uh, for your operating system. Uh, it also integrates uh, the main oscillator. So you don't have to worry about actually putting a, a, an oscillator on your system. So from, from the point of view of, of a system designer, really it is hooked power up to it. You don't even have to hook up a clock to it. You just hook up power, it will uh, power up, uh, the clock will power up itself, and then you can you can start uh, using it as a one gigahertz Linux computer. And so really it's it's taking that, that integration step to kind of that next level such that you don't have to have, re- I mean, 
Gene, Gene, and I'll, I'll paraphrase for Gene, but um, Gene's goal is is eventually there should be a package with zero pins, and that should be your system. And and so this is kind of that next integration step of what are the things that we need in a system in order to, to and, and how do we get those inside the package? And so that's where this is kind of uh, the next step in integration uh, for for our devices. And, and so and then as as Gene can attest, we're looking at, at what else we can do to kind of. Uh, move forward and realize that that goal of a of a zero pin package. You only need pins to talk to humans. <laughs> <laughs> so is is this the uh, product that you want to uh, show dead bugged? Yes, this is this is the one that that, that we we can we can dead bug. Um, and so because really you just have to to provide it five volts of power and and then uh, we just uh, hook up probably probably hook up a USB connector so that you can tell it's alive. Maybe a few LEDs. That'd be that. That that's kind of kind of what we're looking for from a dead bug point of view. Um, that way, that way you can actually see that it actually works, as opposed to just having to take our word for it. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't radiate, so you can't really see any signals coming <laughs> off of it. I, I was thinking you can probably do it with. Um, I, I don't know what peripherals it has, but you know, power ground and then like TXRX, so you can get a terminal. Yeah. No, you you uh, are so terminal. You know, yeah. You can do, yeah. You, yeah. Can, you can do uh, UART terminal. Um, I mean, USB is a little bit more functional though, because then then you get then you get all the the fun stuff that that comes with uh, some of the the cool Linux software packages. Because uh, you can do like RNDIS over USB, and then it, you can pop open your web browser, use Cloud Nine, and be able to actually go through and and do all sorts of cool stuff like do file transfers and and actually have multiple terminals as opposed to just the the single uh, UART DXRX. Well, we're gonna have to in the future when y'all get that dead bug, y'all have to come back on with Greg okay. and explain the part numbers more. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is there anything else y'all want to talk about? I'll, I guess not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'll talk about one more thing. Uh, 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 Eric mentioned the idea of no pins. Uh, in my other life, I am also a uh, professor in the practice at Rice University. And so I have uh, a, a senior project running where the end goal is to create that zero pin device. So how's that going to look? Like, how do you interface with that? Wirelessly. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the, the goal... Oh, that makes it actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. It generates its own power, uh, has its own sensors, and communicates wirelessly. Yeah, so it would be the whole system. And, and you, you think about energy harvesting. So, I mean, there's a lot of different energy harvesting ways and a lot of different ways to, to store energy locally such that you could do some types of, of sensor applications. I mean, you think about what, what would be a cool little sensor to have out there that would wake up every so often, take some readings, transmit some data back to you. There's a lot, a lot of neat, interesting applications that, that are enabled by something like that. And, and our goal is that it become the size of a piece of chiclet gum. Wow. So it sounds like the beginning of Skynet to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't don't want it don't want it uh, taking over the the weapon systems. Just just. <laughs> well, I think I think that was supposed to happen in 1997, so we're a little bit behind here. Just a little. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, without, do you want to sign us out? <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, yeah.
All right. So I guess from a sign-off point of view, uh, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, where your guests were Eric Welsh. And Gene France. And we were your hosts, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. Uh, don't get skynetted. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project topic, or a way to stop Skynet, let us know. Tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. That's where all of the T100s hang out. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen, as it helps this show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.